0: Now, if you'd like to um, open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 90 this morning. In Psalm 90. The book of Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2 says this, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. There is something about a funeral that forces you to take account of your life. And while I I pray we can gain that perspective on life today, though not at a funeral, why wait until someone dies to think of how you should live your life to the fullest? I believe Psalm 90 is going to bring that before our attention, how we should live our lives in the time that we've been given. If you want to stand with me as we read Psalm 90 together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes, and it, it is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. May God bless his word to our soul this morning. You can have a seat. And just even continue, I'd just like to pray. Lord, we've read your word. I pray by your spirit, you would speak through me. That your word would go out, wouldn't return void. You do your work in us. By your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would exalt Jesus Christ lord use me and my weakness uh, to show yourself strong and mighty through the proclamation of your word now i pray in jesus name amen amen psalm 90 i've titled it seize the day and i believe as we unpack this psalm and understand it each section will help us understand how can we make the most of the days that we live in how can we seize the day of course this english phrase Seize the day the Latin carpe diem i don't know if anyone's ever heard that before i believe psalm 90 is about carpe diem it's about seizing the day making most of the time we have before us just some, a little bit of background psalm 90 you can see it's maybe it says in front of yours it's, it's a prayer of moses the man of god it was written by moses many commentators they don't think moses wrote it uh, but they probably don't think Moses wrote Genesis either. Uh, there's a lot of commentators, particularly when it comes to the Old Testament, that they get their doctorate uh, and they spend time just questioning everything. And, and, and they seem like if they could just question things from a different angle, they'll be able to write a paper and, and you know, receive some sort of prestige. So everyone's questioning. No, I think Moses clearly wrote this. I think there's context for it. We trust what the Scripture says. And because Moses wrote it, I think we can determine the context of this song. We don't know exactly when he wrote it, but Moses' life is pretty easy to kind of figure out math-wise. We know Moses in Exodus, right? He was a little baby, went down uh, into the river, in the Nile, and he was brought back by the, by the princess. And so Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court in Egypt. Then Mo- Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness, kind of got, got a wife had some kids. Then Moses came back and God used him to free his people from Egypt. Then he spent 40 more years wandering in the wilderness. So I believe that Moses wrote this psalm in the the last third of his life and that will kind of be the context which we'll pull from. Uh, And it's more important, important for some of the latter verses. But because Moses wrote this, this is the oldest psalm that we have in the Bible. And I believe the oldest Psalm will help us, give us a clear understanding of time. So how do you seize the day? If you look at verses one to six with me, I believe first we need to be telling time by God's standard. Telling time by God's standard. Moses begins this Psalm, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He begins this prayer. His prayer starts with God. And actually it ends with God, Not just like a side note, that's a great way to live our days, to seize the day, like to begin with God in prayer, and to end with God in prayer, kind of bookend your days seeking the Lord. But Moses, he uses the term Lord, Adonai in Hebrew means master or Lord, a title of the true God with a focus on authority and majesty of a ruler. So he begins looking to God and his, he's kind of reflecting on who God is. Uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, or other translations, a refuge in all generations. Moses says something similar in Exodus, or sorry, Deuteronomy, De- Deuteronomy 33, 27. He says, the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. This picture of who God is. He's our dwelling place. Moses is reflecting... You've been our dwelling place in all generations, like in all the times past. So he's probably thinking through all those people who are God's people, starting with like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph in Egypt, like God. You have been the refuge for all of God's people throughout all time. So he's just sitting there reflecting in verse 2. Still reflecting on who God is. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Does anyone remember Genesis 1-1? <laughs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But God was alone in the beginning. There was nothing else. God was there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before anything else, there was God. From everlasting to everlasting, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who inhabits eternity. God reveals himself in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. As in the continually existing one. When, he's, when, when Moses is talking about from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, there's a, a phrase, a theological phrase, it's the eternality of God. One theologian, Paul Ann, says this, speaking of God He is above all temporal limitations. With him, there is no distinction between the present, past, and future, but all things are equally and always present to him. God's eternity extends backwards to infinity and forward to infinity. Think about God's time is all eternity. It's like a contradiction of words, even putting all like a complete eternity forever. Try to like wrap our minds like that's who God is. That's the time that He inhabits is all of eternity. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. But in verse 3, Moses in reflecting who God is now, kind of turns to the attention, starts comparing that with mankind. Speaking of God, he says, You return man to dust and say, Return, O, o children of man. One's reminded of Genesis 3.19 as God said to Adam and Eve, is they were kind of banished from the garden. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This, in the comparison, Moses keeps piling it on. But it's like, it, yeah, God, eternity to eternity, you are God. Matt, you are dust. To dust you will return. He continues this comparison with, again, looking to God. Verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Just think about that, a a watch in the night. I guess there are four watches in the night each three hours, but like just a quick, a quick piece of time. That's what a thousand years is like for God, God in time. Just think of a thousand years right now. And this is just really quick. And like, I'm like, what do you pick to talk about a thousand years? So think about the last thousand years. There's a splitting of the church in 1054 AD the East and the West, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, that happened in 1054. There's the Crusades, 1095 to 1291. In the 1300s, there's the Black Plague. A third of Europe, over a third of Europe, died from this deadly disease. In the 1400s, there's wars in Europe. You can just say that every, every year. It seemed like there's always lots of wars in Europe. In 1492, Christopher Columbus, some of you might know this rhyme that goes with that. In the 1500s, the Reformation. Right? Martin Luther, we can have the Bible in people's native tongue. In the 1600s, America's, the Americas were being explored. There are more wars in Europe. In the 1700s, the Enlightenment period, people were starting to focus on knowledge and reason. America was formed 1776, 1800s. Napoleon in his heyday, 1867. Canada kind of officially being formed 1900s. Two world wars and kind of landed with computers, because there's so much shaping us of who we are. Taking a thousand years, gone. For God is like the watch in the night. Is nothing. Derek Kinder says this. It puts our world into its context, which is God. And our time span into its huge setting of eternity. This is humbling to human pride, the point of the verse, but heartening with regard to God's intervention and his timing. Again, Moses continues to draw this out, verses 5 and 6. You sweep them away as with a flood. These these are our years. This is our time. More like, not like the flood that covered the whole earth, but like a flash flood. I was reading about... Alexander the Great and his men, and they went, they're going to India, and the, the, they set up camp in this dry riverbed, and then it started to rain heavy in the mountains, and all of a sudden, the rain went rushing around the corner, and wiped out so many people. In a, that's like, that's, those are the days of our lives, just like, and it's gone. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning, in the morning, it flourishes, and is renewed in the evening, it fades. And withers like our, our days are like grass isaiah 40 verse 6 to 8 says something similar i wonder even if isaiah was like meditating on psalm 90 because he says this isaiah forty six 6 8 a voice says cry and i said what shall i cry all flesh is like grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field the grass withers the flower fades when the breath of the lord blows on it surely the people are grass the grass Withers the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Like just think about that's what it describes our lives like grass. Charles Spurgeon says this: here is the history of, of grass. Sown, grown, blown, mown, gone. And the history of man is is not much more. I thought that was good. Do you see the comparison? The, of our proper understanding of God's time, eternity, and our time. A moment. Just a moment. He is the creator, we are the created. I believe this, an understanding of God, uh, God's time, and how God tells time, it should humble us of our brief existence of the eternal one. It should also allow us to see time in a different light and as well as listen to the one who lives forever, the Alpha and the Omega, like whatever he has to say in our brief period of existence, we should maybe listen to the eternal one, what he has to say. So I believe we can start to seize the day by telling time by God's standard, eternity. You can have verses 7 to 9 with me. Also verse 13. I believe we can also seize the day by confessing our sin before God. Verse 7 says, For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. And again, I think, belief 7 tonight 9 really makes sense in the context of Moses when he's leading the people in the desert. We're gonna, I'll give you some examples. They rebelled against God. And actually, for Moses, it was everyone 20 years and up in the desert all passed away and they didn't make it into the promised land. If you know the story, there's 12 spies. They went to go check out the promised land and 10 came back and said, we can't do that. We can't go in there. Like there's huge people, there's massive armies and and two said, oh, we can do that. God's with us. And all the people rebelled and then God in response, it's like, you're all going to perish in the desert for the next 40 years. I believe he's talking to that situation, talking about his wrath. We are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath. We are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before us, before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. If you just, again, a few examples of what happened in Moses' time. Right? If we know the story when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the first time, as he's up there, the people are like, Man, what happened to Moses? <laughs> like, Aaron, could you make us a god? Make us some gods. Here's our gold. And, and he makes this idol. And they start worshipping it. This is coming out of Egypt right away. So all these, these people die because they're worshipping idols. And if you keep reading on, there's like, people are like, we don't like that Moses is in charge. Korah and these other people, and they rebel against God. Rebel against Moses' leadership. This, this sin. And what happens? The earth opens up and swells Korah. and his family's whole. Like there's example after example. In Numbers uh, 25. There's the, the men of Israel started having sexual intercourse with the Moabite women. Something they weren't supposed to do. Something even kinda of did it in broad daylight in front of everyone. and Again, more people died, like their sin was exposed. They got God's wrath pushed upon a punishment for their sin. And in God's wrath, we see God's holiness and justice. That must be maintained. God is a holy God, He won't be trifled with, and He maintains His holiness. By his holy wrath, his justice will be had. So we see that in the time of Moses that he's referring to. But what what about us? What about us, the the sin that we carry? It says here, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. There's no such thing as secret sins. Everything is revealed in front of God. What about us if we have like sin that we're carrying? I believe uh, David is helpful in Psalm 32 Verses 3 to 5, David writes this, talking about sin. So David talking about when he when he's had hidden sin in his life. This is what God did to him. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Selah. Like when I, I held this sin against God. This hidden sin, God knows, and he is getting punished for it. What does David do? Verse 5 I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Like, stop. Think about that. Friends, we must confess our sin before God. If you think about it, there's no such thing as secret sin. It's everything exposed in the light of His presence. But think about it if you're like, you want to seize the day, you want to make the most of that limited time we have, and you have this secret sin in your life. What is it like? It's like basically having like a huge garbage, a garbage bag full of just the stinkiest things you can imagine and carrying it around. And God has sensitive smelling. He's like, I cannot be near this person. Sin separates us from the Father, right? There's no such thing as, oh, we'll just hide that underneath the carpet, whatever. Like, no. It, it separates us from God. It separates us from other people. If we keep carrying around the secret sin from, with us, we need to deal with our, with our stinky sin. Something needs to happen, right? If we're, like, serving a holy God, there's a punishment that's coming towards us if we have sin in our lives, unaccounted for, unconfessed. Right? that's why we need jesus christ as i read here in verse 8 you've set our iniquities before you our secret sin in the light of your presence verse 9 for all our days pass away under your wrath bringing our years to an end like a sigh that's what we deserve in our sin we deserve god's punishment god's wrath but what we do as christians right jesus christ came he died on the cross so we take that stinky bag of sin, we don't carry around with us, but we're like we, we confess it. Sin. Jesus took that sin upon Himself on the cross. And we're like, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Jesus paid for that sin. He took a punishment that we deserve, and we're forgiven. So, if you want to seize the day, you can't be walking around with sin, hidden sin in your life, man. You can't be having a thriving life. You need to keep confessing it before God. But again, I, I believe verse nine really is truly. Referring to those who are coming out of Egypt. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. In Psalm 95, 10 to 11, it says this. Speaking of those in the desert, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. But friends, just as you read this, this Psalm 90 from the context as a Christian, our days are not under the wrath of God because Jesus Christ took the wrath, the punishment that we deserve. I think it's, it's more fitting to think of like Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But even in Psalm 23, there's still, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you're still with me. It's not saying everything's going to work out, but I believe what, Noah, or what Moses is describing here in Psalm 90 that happened to people. But I believe in Christ. We're, we're not walking around with God's wrath over us all the time. It was paid in Jesus Christ. And again, I think out of this, the same kind of heart in verse 13. This crying out to God. Return, O Lord, how long? And have, have pity on your servants. This repenting. This turning back. In order to seize the day, to make the most of our time, we must often be confessing our sins before God through Jesus Christ. You just, just think, like, we need to often be doing, like, two parts. Like, Lord, forgive me, as we see things in our life. And then, Lord, help me. These are prayers of a Christian. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. And maybe just a question for you. Do you have a time when you look back on the day and confess any known sin? Is there a time that you do that? Do you just think, if you, if you haven't done that for days, I don't know about you, but I'm confessing sin throughout the day. As you know, as things happen, I want to be sensitive. Oh, Lord, forgive me for that. Help, help me to live differently. Lord, forgive me for my, where my mind just went and sat. But Lord, change me and help me. But just think, if you're not confessing sin throughout, you know, in a day or in the days, it's like either, wow, you've nailed the Christian life. <laughs> or in reality, like there's, there's things that you're doing and you're not sensitive to. Remember, we can't be walking around with that bag, Stinky bag full of sin. And then be like, and we're going to seize the day. We're going to make the most of the time we've given. Continuing on, verses 10 to 12. I want us to see, I believe living in the light of the quickness of our lives helps us to seize the day. Moses continues on. Verse 10, the years of our life are 70 or, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Friends, we live in 2022. We are modern people with modern technology. We've been to the moon, we can fly on planes, we can go deep in the ocean. We have medicine and healthy practices that we've learned from generations and generations before us and our average lifespan is 79, if you're male, this is 2019 stats of 84, if you're female. <laughs> and I think I talked about this before. I think it's because guys can sometimes do really stupid things. And women are like, that's really stupid. And other guys are like, that's great, I wanna do that. That's where that, the difference is in there. But isn't that interesting with all our technology, with all our advances, I love this song that was written like 3,500 years ago. It's 70 years or if you have the strength, 80. And everything we've done, you can put on cream on your face, you can, all these things, the average lifespan is 80 years. And that's the average. What does it say in verse 10? If their span is but toil and trouble, they are soon gone, and we fly away. Just some quick math here. So you have 80 if you're, you're over that, praise the Lord. <laughs> but take away your age from 80. Whatever your age is, God willing, like this is, we don't know how long we live, but take your age away from 80. And then with the number that you have left, uh, take away a quarter of it. Because even if you just think sleep, say you sleep six hours a day, that's a quarter of your waking life. So think how much time would you have left if you actually made it to 80? It's a very quick time. It's going fast. It's basically like Summer. I don't want you, it's like it's summertime, man. We got to go outside, it's the sunshine, we got to go do this. We got to go to the beach, we got to eat some fresh fruit. If it's going, it's going so fast. All right, that's our lives. That's what scripture tells us about our lives. So we have that in front of us. Verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Even reflecting on time of life, he's still thinking about who God is, has this healthy fear of God. Having a holy fear of God and His wrath is good. There is a judgment to come. God will be shown righteous. Have you ever seen someone has a tattoo, only God will judge me? Like, yes, it's true. He will judge all of us. And, and, and knowing that, walking, it gives us a healthy fear of the Lord. One day we'll all have to stand in front of Him. There is a judgment to come. And as we're judged, there are two places in which we can go. Those who have believed in Jesus Christ, had their sins forgiven, covered over them, they get to spend eternity with God in heaven. And those who say, no, I'm doing my own way, I'm doing my own thing, will have to pay for their sin in eternity in hell. Think about how this knowledge can help us to live our life to the fullest amount here in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I think this is like the crux of the psalm. This is the main point. This is I've been praying over this whole week. I'll keep praying. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Remember Moses, he grew up in Egypt. He was taught by the best education that was possible at that time. And he's saying like, God, you teach me. We need God to teach us how to number our days. An old Saint Matthew Henry says this, we must live under a constant apprehension of the shortness and uncertainty of life and the near approach of death and eternity. Think about it, friends, we can number our, our wealth, our holidays, our clothes, our dishes. The list could go on and on. Our golf scores, like you if you're like me, you need a calculator at times. <laughs> we can number all these things, but we cannot number our days properly unless God gives us the wisdom to do it. Like that's, I find that interesting. It most is trying to teach us to number our, our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I don't, know, maybe, I don't know if it used to be easier. Like churches where they're used to meet, just outside the church would be the, the graveyard. Right? So as you walked in, you'd see those who have went before you and then you go and worship the Lord. As you went out, like, it was like face to face with this is where you're going. This is how quick it is. There's wisdom in that. How do we gain that heart of wisdom? Another believer from times past says this, we can never do that except we number every day as our last day. I don't know about you. How how do you try to keep the quickness of time in front of you to have wisdom to live your life? For me, I, I have a number of different ways I'm trying to do it. I have a picture of my daughter I took with my wife at Bauer Ponds when she was a baby. She's gonna be 10 in October. And this picture always reminds me like, it is going fast, take advantage of the time. I do have a little sign, carpe diem, seize the day. But as I'm like reflecting on this, I'm like, actually I need God to give me a heart of wisdom so I can number my days properly. I can have those things. I even, whilst preparing this sermon, I'm like, I need an hourglass that I can flip over and just watch the sun go by and uh, just feel the passing of time. And instead, during this sermon, I spent time looking for an hourglass on Amazon, wasting time, and I didn't even find one. I just have to confess (laughs) it to you guys there. So it's interesting, when you're talking about how quickly your times are passing, you very much realize when you're wasting time as well. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jonathan Edwards. I'd say he's arguably the greatest theologian Of America, he was used by God in the first great awakening. And when he was, I think he was like 17, he made these resolutions. He wanted to walk with God, he wanted to make the most of his time. I'll just read you a few that pertain to time. All these resolutions. He says, Resolve never to lose one moment of time, but improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Resolve to live so at all times as I think is best in my devout frames that when I have clearest notions of things of the gospel in another world. And a similar to another one, resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do. If I expected it would not be about an hour before I should hear the last trumpet sound. we gain a heart of wisdom by living today knowing there's a day coming. So I don't know about you, as as I was preparing, as you're hearing this, it's like there should be no killing time, no wasting days, no binging on Netflix or video games, or just, you know, going out like, man, I don't know where the day just went, it's gone. You'll never get it back, it's going fast. Other scriptures, the New Testament are saying the same thing to us. Ephesians 5 15 to 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time. Colossians 4 verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Over and over again in Scripture, there's all these encouragements. Lord, teach us to number our days that we would gain a heart of wisdom. I don't know what that is for you, how you take that to heart. Whether It's like, Use your watch, use a day planner. Definitely like make priorities. For sure watch less TV. No one's ever gonna get to the end of their life and be like, man, I wish I'd watched more TV. No one's ever gonna say that. What are usually the regrets? I wish I'd spent more time with family, more with my friends. Maybe I wish I would pray more. So I would just encourage you, I don't know as you hear this, be intentional with what is important. Family, friends, faith. If there's, you know, I don't know if you ever, you think of someone, you're like, man, I should give them a call. I should I get, get, together, get together with them. Like, do it. You never know when you're going to go or them. If you're like, man, I should talk to someone so I haven't talked in a while, like, let's, let's do that. The quickness of time should force us to act in those things. If there's anyone that you have in your life, like, you need to forgive don't hold on to it one is as christians we need to forgive as we've been forgiven through christ jesus but that life's too short we need to forgive Is anyone anyone we need to apologize to if you, you're like man i want to draw closer to god in this time like man, pray We need to live in the light of the quickness of our lives, the shortness of our lives, and I believe that'll help us to seize the days that we do have. And then lastly, looking at verses 14 to 17, I believe we can we seize the day by seeking God's blessing for all our days. Moses at this time, kind of in his, in his prayer, now he turns to petition. He turns to like pray and ask this of God, like reflect on who God is, what is our time compared to him, the sins of the people being punished for. And now he, he turns his attention. And he's seeking God's blessing. Look at verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us with your steadfast love or your faithful love. You know, even for Moses, when you're in the, the desert, the, the manna. The bread from heaven that came every morning, God provided for them. Right? Like a physical wave, seeing God's steadfast love. I think there's a great example in Scripture. Jesus, he prayed early in the morning to seek the Lord early in the morning for his steadfast love. Lamentations 3 22 to 23 says this. this is Jeremiah wrote this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. So if we want to seize the day and make the most of our limited time, we need God's mercies every day. And it's good to plead for them in the morning. That we may start out with His mercies, His kindness, and carry them on as we go. I, just, I was thinking though as I'm preparing this, there's some people who are shift workers and it's like maybe you're going to bed. It's, you can also just, whenever you wake up, right? It's like you don't have to set the alarm to get up early in the morning. If, you, if you're a shift worker, whenever you wake up, can you seek the Lord for his new mercies of that day? And what, what else does he pray? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. I just want to point that out. His satisfaction was coming from God. We can can seek satisfaction in so many other things, but we need to seek our satisfaction in God. That was his prayer. Verse 15, he continues to plead, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil, for as many, many years as you've humbled us, as many years as we've seen adversity. Ecclesiastes seven fourteen says this in the day of prosperity be joyful, in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. But going through like many hard trials you're seeking, like Lord, can it change? Can there be blessing? Charles Spurgeon says this great trial enables us to bear great joy. And may be regarded as the herald of extraordinary grace. God's dealings are according to scale. Small lives are small throughout, and great histories are great both in sorrow and happiness. Where there are high hills, there are also deep valleys. If we have fierce afflictions, we may look for overflowing delights, and our faith may boldly ask for them. So, Moses is doing. Even if you experience great trials, you can seek God. May it, may it turn, and there be great blessings. Continuing on in verse 16, asking of the Lord, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. I love it. Let your work be shown to your servants, your glorious power to their children. like like God show up. Show yourself faithful. And when you do, may our children see and may they believe. I believe this church is a testimony of God's glorious power to us and to our children. As we we sought to plant a church in the midst of of all this chaos that we've experienced these past couple of years, I remember people would be like, wow, this is the worst time to possibly plant a church, humanly speaking. But in God's plan, He's like, actually, I'm gonna show myself faithful. And we've seen God build this church, bring this community together in this time. He's shown us his power. I pray our children can see. All of a sudden there's this people meeting on an indoor soccer facility, praising God. Praise the Lord what he has done. He's shown his power in this church, and I pray our children would see it. I think we can pray that for ourselves individually. Lord, show your power. And may 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 our children see your glorious power at work in my life in your life you said, God changed me for Christ in me that the next generation would know that there is a living God he's faithful and he's active this is the days of our lives quick as they are spent seeking God for his blessing watch what God will do in verse 17 Moses finish, finishes with this let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The favor of the Lord God be upon us. Let the beauty of the Lord God be upon us. Think about for, for Moses, this prayer, was actually answered after him. Because after Moses, he died before he went to the promised land. But then Joshua led the troops in. it. God gave victory after victory. God established the work of Joshua in Israel's hands, if you will. So that, that prayer was answered for him. I almost, almost just see this though too. Reminding of the prayer of Aaron. As it says, let the favor of our, of our God be upon us. Like let your beauty be upon us. It's very similar to Numbers 6, 24 and 25. Many of you will be familiar with. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and even if we have God's beauty upon us, his favor upon us then we're like Lord bless the work of our hands establish the work of our hands in our church gathering we're constantly praying like Lord as we gather together let transform us open our ears, open our eyes Lord if there's some here who don't know Jesus Christ that they would come to a saving faith in him they'd be worshippers of you O oh God establish the work of our hands, encourage us. As we, as we go into, as we share our faith with others, Lord, establish the work of our hands, we're praying, praying for opportunity, praying for God to move, praying for God to save. In the, in the work of our, our lives, wherever God has you, whatever your vocation is, your employment, however you spend your time, you know you're praying that it will succeed. No one's praying like, I hope this fails. <laughs> You're praying that it would succeed. You're praying that it would be blessed for safety, and for favor. But knowing that these blessings come from God, even as we're we're praying, like Lord, establish the work of our hands, Russell. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for peace in our nation, in our province. Praying that there would be peace that we'd be able to provide for our family and teach them the ways of the Lord. Lord, establish the work of our hands. Seeking God in this. I believe we can take verses 14 to 17 and, and use it as a prayer. Pray that back to God. Pray that for yourself, for your family, your friends, pray for our church. Friends, do you want to make the most of the limited time we have on this earth? You want to seize the day? I pray Psalm 90 would had greatly encouraged you in that. You can tell time by God's standard learn from the eternal one as our lives are quickly passing through in our days be quick to confess our sin to god like don't haul that garbage around take it to the cross live in the light of the quickness of our lives ask god for the ability to grasp our limited time and gain wisdom and seek god's blessing for all of our days pray seek his favor each morning his steadfast love it will be found and he will walk with you through the day, through your days. Friends, if we walk like this in the days we have, will they, will they not be spent well? Let us seize the days that God gives us living for him while we have breath in our lungs. If you'll bow with me. I'll close this time of prayer. Oh Lord, Thank you for this word. Thank you for Psalm 90. There's so much I still need to learn from it. But I pray by your spirit you would seal this word in our hearts. I pray in in your kindness and mercy, Lord, you would teach us how to number our days, that we would gain wisdom, how to live our limited days for you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the time that we have now. And for each of us, however long we have on this earth, Lord, help us to live our days for you in light of eternity to come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.